Welcome to Bandwidth, the podcast about band directors and how we combat burnout to preserve some bandwidth for ourselves. Thank you to Evan Fujimoto for the music and to LMC Media for the artwork. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and give the show a rating. If you're listening in Spotify, I'd appreciate if you give us a follow. This episode is with Julie Bounds, Director of Bands at Sheldon High School in Eugene, Oregon. Julie has been at Sheldon for a few years now, but is a native of Eugene and also attended University of Oregon. She previously taught in San Jose, California, where she led a very successful program at Santa Teresa High School and was very active in the music education community. She is in the process of building up the program at Sheldon and is doing great work there as well. One of the things I greatly admire about Julie and the way she operates is that she's a great delegator and builds a strong community, not just within her program, but with the school as a whole. She's a big thinker and is always looking at better ways to do things and think about things and the people involved. All right, welcome Julie Bounds. Thanks. Uh, uh, Director of Bands here at Sheldon High School in Eugene, Oregon. Um, yeah, I've known Julie for years. Uh, she brought her band to Hawaii, needed to borrow a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I said no, like a jerk. Yeah. And <laughs> she persisted and she dropped a, a name of some um, University of Oregon classmates and like they, they vouched for her. So I was like, okay. And it, and now out. we can yeah. be friends. Yes, now we and we share friends. a birthday. Yes, yes. Which makes us. Well, no, I think I'm on the first. You're on the f- fifth? Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm the first. Well, wait, we celebrate a birthday week. Oh, and yes. And that's yes, the yes, most yes, important yes. week of the year. It is. is that week. It is the most important. Yeah, and the best people were born. That's that also week. Band, by your band director's steak week. Is that correct? If Something it's not, like it that. is now. It, it, it is now. It is or now. Maybe it's tacos that week. It can oh, be yeah. both. Yeah, why not? Okay. All the snacks. Yeah. All right. So, um, Julie, move, you moved here from yep. San Jose. You taught at um program really, it was bustling, very successful. It seemed like you had yeah. everything going the way you wanted. Um, what prompted the move back home to Eugene? Well, it wasn't in Eugene. Oh. <laughs> so when I moved to California, I never really wanted to go there. Um, I grew up here in Eugene, Oregon, and I always wanted to teach here. Uh, But right at the end of my undergrad, I kind of got a little bit of a bug that I was worried I might not ever live anywhere else. Like Mm. if I got a job here, I'd always have lived here and I wouldn't have played music anywhere else or met anyone else. And I started to get worried that might not be a good thing. And there weren't any jobs in Oregon. So I uh, had one friend that had left um, Oregon to go teach in the Bay Area. Big shout out to my friend Jason Marshall who's now a principal actually. Wow. Yeah, and he moved to the Bay Area in the same district that my job was open in. And oddly enough, my student teaching supervisor had taught in that area and really recommended the job. So I moved to California and I took it. And about four or five years before I came back to, or Eugene and came to Sheldon, I had decided that for a number of reasons, I would like to make the move back to Oregon. And so I started looking and I really wanted to be, have it be Eugene. So even if options came up other places, I wanted to wait it out to try to get a job here, which was very challenging because there's just not a lot of full-time band positions for high school. Um, so I, um, the cost of living was a challenge in the Bay Area. Um, being away from my family and my community that I grew up in and kind of the dynamics of my school were changing a little bit and I'd been there for 15 years and I didn't really want to I felt like I was going to kind of have to start my program again Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to start my program again where I already was I was itching to go somewhere else so that's why I came back 
All right. Yeah, that that starting up all new looks like we've been through that. You know, and then I did it, it twice times. now at yeah. Sheldon because of COVID. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah, everybody had to do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I was here again. for a year uh, and a year and a half before COVID hit the middle of my second year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there That's you go. Tough. Yeah. But I mean, you've got you've got no attrition problems because mm -mm. of COVID, nope. like, which is so rare. Yeah. Right. And your kids love it. And you've obviously built a really great culture yep. here. So. Uh, kudos to you for making through those those two Thanks. years and finding a way to keep them engaged and still present. Yeah. Um, so sorry, maybe while we're still on that yeah. topic, what are what are the things that you did during the, the past few years that kept the kids engaged yeah. and still here and got them to return and still love music? Yeah, I think that's. Um, I'm really proud of that actually, and I think that um, one of the things is experience really led that. I don't think I could have done this in year two, three, or four. And if I had, that would have been a rock star moment. Mm -hmm. So the mo I was keenly aware that this was gonna be real. And um, I just immediately started uh, communicating with the band. Um, I would do, I had lunch way when we were just shut down, way before we went back to school. I just opened a Zoom up for lunch or a mm -hmm. hang. And we just had lunch together and I shared what I didn't know. And we kind of laughed online a little bit. And then, um, what I started doing once the shutdown happened was um, keeping those regular communications, keeping the student leadership meeting. They were having game nights online. They mm. were having activities. So we tried to keep it social. And then I, with the assignments, didn't try to over-assign them. So I did a lot of free choice activities, a lot of picking what they wanted to do in the first year. And so I think that they didn't dread uh, coming to class or doing like a lot of testing because our classroom isn't really like that anyway. And mm -hmm. then um, a lot of really clear personal communication. Like we made care packages for everybody of like folders and music and materials at home and people dropped each stuff off at the school or they picked it up. And as soon as we came back, we did our best to try to like play outside or play other places and then just kept the music really light and fun. And I think because the students were involved in making that community, they were interested in coming back. And then the other piece is I'm a hardcore recruiter. So every kid has a name and a face and a story, and I seek each kid out individually. So I was very methodical in my recruiting coming out of COVID too. Yeah, it sounds like it's like very focused on people. Yeah. And the music is just a vehicle for mm -hmm. keeping the people um, and you, And you got to have the right music to keep them. Like the kids still talk it. about how yeah. much they liked the music we picked and played. Mm. We did like some flex stuff and we did some kind of cheap, easy video recording. Like we didn't spend a lot of money on it, but we mm -hmm. did it um, for the experience of recording and uh, that kind of stuff. And it's been helpful. They're less... Um, the older kids are less worried about like recording themselves and turning it in because they mm -hmm. know how to do it. They've done it before. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely um, good things that came out of this. Like yeah. you've become like really good at video editing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We're good at that. We're really good at like um, teaching them how to try not to screw up recording yeah. and teching that. <laughs> and uh, I think they've gotten, I think like coming out of it too, they're just so excited to be back. I think across the board, like last year was rough, but I know I'm hearing from a lot of people that like the sixth graders are more well-behaved than last year, a little less feral. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm seeing that too. It's yeah. Like, yeah. After a couple of years where we're, we're seeing, uh, you know, work in elementary school, yeah. we, see the kids who didn't really have much of a preschool experience right, right? 
and that's you know they're they're in kindergarten now and, and here they are and here they are and it's a little bit it's a little bit rough you know <laughs> but we're, we're getting there yep and, exactly you know, and and the teachers are who are focused on students yep. right are getting the results that they want right you know not so much on results uh so different question so we all know bandwork the world is very much a boys club mm -hmm. right and uh, how has this impacted your work as a director mm -hmm. and um and your personal life your own health yeah um well, I play percussion and I left the flute section to do that. So I feel like I kind of made a conscious choice to jump into the boys club. Um, I was pretty fortunate as a kid. I had a really strong female piano teacher, a uh, jazz mm -hmm. piano teacher named Vicky. And Vicky is awesome. And she is still a part of my life now. And she was just a good role model for me as a musician and person. Um, I started teaching when I was about 23, and Vicky started teaching me piano lessons in her early 20s. So oh. I did like see her go through her career and her challenges with her fam raising her family and stuff, and got to see what her world was like. And I didn't really face, um, except that the quantity of people, there were just less girls. Mm. It really didn't impact me that much. Um, I was pretty fortunate to just have, I had all male music teachers and private teachers. But I was very fortunate that they didn't leave me out or single me out because I was a girl. So I didn't have that experience, which I'm grateful for. And I didn't feel like I got held back in leadership positions because of my gender. But I was not as aware until I got older that like I wasn't playing any music by women or I'd never had a female in front of me till I went to Northwestern with Dr. Thompson. Like I just mm -hmm. hadn't had that experience. Um, and so uh, when I started my career, you know, about five, 10 years ago, we really started talking about like, what can we do a better with repertoire just in general? And I think that's when I became more aware of it. I do experience the part where like, um, it sometimes it's lonely because it's not a shared experience. I'm just really fortunate that like I have a lot of friends who are guys mm -hmm. who are like you and a lot of my other crew and the people you're going to interview that I know. Um, they don't make it feel like that, but sometimes it can be really challenging. And so for me, I've just tried to establish a community. Yeah. Like my response to it is that I'm friends with a lot of lady band directors. And I make sure that we go to conferences together, we share hotel rooms, we connect, we check in, I mentor people um, so that we can have those conversations with each other. But um, sometimes I just take a step back, like even right now, like there's just not a lot of 6A band directors in the state. Mm. And like our school, like we talked about our school, Sheldon's football team is outstanding. Justin Herbert, who's the quarterback for the Chargers, went to Sheldon. We have a long history of outstanding football. And so I'm the only woman who's really teaching at some of those schools with those football programs in the state, too. Yeah, I can I can see how that might take a back seat, you know. Yeah, I think I'm at a better place with it now than I was maybe five or ten years ago. And I think that's partly because, too, we I feel like there's more of a community of women and we're talking about and seeing more women um i think the advent of social media has actually helped mm. because like i didn't know there were other women that were band directors but they were out there mm -hmm. they and, just weren't near me yeah and there's a national organization but you know it's yeah. few and far between right right and i didn't even know about women's band directors international and 
Gladys, who started that organization, actually taught in this community yeah. way back when. So, um, And a pioneer in, in oh, her own right. Well, she's, oh, that, yeah, she's the queen. Just, yeah. She's the queen. Something. <laughs> oh. And when you know in your experience with Oregon Marching Band, you know, the yeah. relationship they have with um, with football and, mm -hmm. and the way that the school, that's a really great model. Yeah, and that's you partly know. why I was really interested in Sheldon specifically because not a lot of high school band directors like the athletic band piece. And mm -hmm. I am rare. I do. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's the most public thing that we do. Mm -hmm. and, and it can be, you know, it, that's your that's your expensive business card. You right. Know, it is. And, you know, and it may not be the most uh, musically enlightening moment, right? right? As we see it, um, you know, from the, the Western music uh, sure. tradition. Like, but, what are we getting yeah. out of playing rock tunes? We're getting, yeah. having, we're having fun. Yeah. And that, people, gets, that gets to be okay, too. People who love music, we're having a shared experience yep. with, with, our, with our audience who may never come to any of our concerts. Right. And that's totally fine. Yeah. But, and we get to, the kids like participating in their school. I think that's mm. kind of what we I had a yeah. volleyball game last year, last night, and Jason came. And the, yes, we had volleyball band. It was a thing. Mm. I was paid yeah. to do it. They asked us yeah. to do it. It was they. I said, "You got to pay me," and they're like, "Okay." Mm. And athletic director was super stoked, and the team was really excited to have us there, and we won. The kids on a great. Yeah, you know, we didn't they, know they if they a, were going to or not, but they brought their game, and yeah, they're ready to go. They, they had a lot of fun. You know, volleyball band is a big thing in Hawaii. Yeah, with the with the college, right? yeah. University of Hawaii, and they're you know, amazing programs but um yeah one of the schools um uh in Honolulu, i remember my private teacher taught at iolani and they used to go to water polo games my like, kids have asked about that and i was yeah. like i don't know if you can hear when you're in the water like yeah i guess the team was really good and the kids organized it they showed up they would go to basketball games on their own yeah you know and well they just, need something to do too like they aren't really yeah. as comfortable in the student section they're more comfortable together and like my friend said, um, her daughter's in the band and she said, yeah, some of these kids aren't super busy. Like mm. some kids are overscheduled mm -hmm. and some aren't. So for those kids that aren't, come on over. And we had about, I think, 25, 30 kids last night, which yeah. is a fine nice, number. Good, good balance. Yeah, good balance. The, yeah. yeah, it was good. Um, so um, have you made changes with your work as a director uh, to positively impact your personal life? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes and no. I think that's always like a, a journey. Um, so a couple of the things that I try not to do anymore, my schedule, I should say this, my schedule that I ended at, at Santa Teresa was beautiful and wonderful. And it really set me up for making some really positive changes in my life. I lost a lot of weight. I was eating really healthy. I was in therapy. I saw my friends on a regular standing basis. I saw my lady music teacher group of friends that we collected. We did stuff almost every single Wednesday. Uh, and we are inclusive with that group. There's choir people okay. there too. Choir and string <laughs> people. We've we've opened that up. Oh, this, that sounds like normal, healthy human beings. I know, things. almost, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it was, um, I was on a block schedule and I basically uh, had everybody on a Monday and then we alternated Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or what is it? Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday. But basically, I taught the second half of the day on Tuesday, 
the first half on Wednesday. So I had all of Wednesday wow. afternoon and all of Thursday off. So it just felt like a rest day. So a couple things for me that I try to do is I try not to work on Wednesdays in the evenings. Okay. So like that's just like my recovery day. This job is different. We teach, we're on the same schedule. Five, we're on a three by five trimester. Ooh. But um, I also teach a zero period. And in California, my jazz bands were in the later half of the day after school. And that just won't work here for whatever reasons. Okay. Um, and so I teach an early morning and I teach a last period. So my day is very long. And mm. that was that's that has been really hard for me physically. Um, I've asked for the school to have me go zero period and then give me two periods off and then teach three, four, five. Because school gets out. We don't get off till four. And it was being, it was becoming really challenging to be able to actually like go to the doctor mm. or have a Zoom with my therapist. And so I was noticing when I got here that my mental health was really, and physical health really took a turn. Um, so that's been a challenge. I try to socialize with my friends. Um, the other big change here is that we don't have marching band on Saturdays unless it's a competition. Okay. Our season's a Very month nice. shorter than California. We start later, um, and so all of those pieces have made it a little bit easier for me. Um, I also have a hundred less students at Sheldon. Okay. So that's that's a big difference. Um, but I'm on more professional organizations in Oregon right now than I was in California. So um, I need to watch that balance. Yeah, and you have so much to, to give and share for right. sure. And figuring yeah. out where I want to do that and when and for who. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure, and like yep. you know, you have to do it on your own terms. You have to do, you know, you got to be able to say no. Yeah, but this, and I'm really not very good at that at all. Yeah, because I, I, I just want to help. I think so many of us are we're in that same boat. It's a teacher thing. It's yep. a band director thing. We get so close with our kids. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and if not, sometimes I'm like, if not me, who? I think mm -hmm. that's the challenge. The older that I get, like I'm in my 20th year of teaching. Mm -hmm. This is like the time they ask people like us to do some of the heavy lifting. Yeah, because we're not at the end of our career, we're right. Yeah, we're well, on the second. Yeah, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're on the home stretch. Yeah. yeah, it's your turn to lead, Julie. It's go, <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I I felt that when you know I did that brief stint in admin, you know, for our school and temporary situation, and it was good. It was, I right. learned so many things out of that. But I also learned that that's not something I want to do. Right. And I should probably say like what I'm involved yeah. in because that might yeah. like. So here currently I am the I've had a lot of leadership positions, but right now I'm the state co-advocacy chair with the TOSA of music for Portland Public Schools, my friend Laura. So we work on the state level to help everywhere from helping music programs and teachers that are having challenges to helping get stuff to happen. And then I'm. There's the bell. Oh. And then uh, I'm also on the uh, district committee, like our local MEA committee for band. And then um, I'm also on some district committees. So, I'm, And I'm the president of the state of the Northwest Marching Band Circuit. So oh. it's not like I have a small load. No. So no, my calendar not. is my best friend. So, you know, I'll transition some of those and those are all short term. Mm -hmm. But um, those were all different positions I just felt like I needed to do. Yeah, you're right. And it's, you know, it's in that position of if I don't do it, who's going to do it? Right. And then weighing the value of this activity, you know, versus, you know, your own health and, you know, somebody else has got to do it. And, you know, right. And then but then building capacity so that it doesn't all fall on you, too. 
Right. And that's, I think that that concept, Laura and I talk a lot about that building capacity and what our capacity is and who we can engage with us to do the quote unquote, the work. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for the marching band circuit, I was really clear about trying to engage the whole board versus just me. Okay. So here, like now in this position today, so yep. what are you doing to make time for yourself, for loved ones? Yeah. How do you? Um, I, well, it's marching band season, so everyone knows that there's no time. Yeah, it's crazy. So, good luck. Um, (laughs) Here's my football schedule. Um, I try to take those days and those evenings where I, like a Wednesday or something where I'm not, or my weekends, to try to schedule time with my family or my friends. Like, try to make plans to do those sorts of things. Mm. Um, I will say in the fall, I... Try not to, I really don't see a ton of different people. Um, I love lots of people in my life, but I kind of keep that sphere kind of small so I don't get overwhelmed with trying to connect with too many people. Um, I know like I'd like to have, sometimes I like to have people over to my house so I can kind of knock out a social thing. Like if all of us, you know, all of my friend group can go meet up and watch an Oregon game, then I kind of knock out seeing like eight people at a time and then it feels better. Or my strategy is just to employ my friends and my husband. Like if they work for me, they have to hang out with me at marching band. <laughs> so uh, I kind of do that a little bit. But, um, you know, and I'll just say, hey, like, let's go do this or let's like, you know, let's try to take some time on the weekend um, to do something. And so because I have the weekend days that I didn't have in California, I think that's helpful. But for me, everything in my life comes down to my schedule and my calendar. Yeah. I mean, I calendar those yeah. times. Yeah. I calendar I like a whole day of like all I'm going to do on Saturday is sleep. I'm not going to mm-hmm. get out of bed till one. I'm going to lay on my couch all day and it's on my calendar. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see me, you can come to my house, but I don't know if I will answer the phone. Yeah. And I'm not going to answer the door. You got to walk in. You got to know the code. So. Yeah. But yeah, uh, scheduling it all. Yeah, for sure. Like we, you know, I've got a regular hang with some friends, yep. you know, every week. Uh, we got family stuff that we do all the time. It's all, you know, healthy. I block off, you know, home time. Yep. I don't bring my work home with me. Yeah, I don't really bring much work home with me once I leave. I'll bring my computer. I never end up doing it. Pretty much once I get in my car, I'm like, and I'm done. Yeah, if it's absolutely critical, I'll respond. But sometimes for other people, they'll send the email because that's when they can send it. But they don't necessarily. I think that's really key um, to understand. I think that's what you just said is so key. Like because you got an email or communication doesn't mean you need to take care of it right away. However, The longer you wait, the bigger the pile. So I don't, I mean, I carve out time every day, every morning from 8.30 to 9, I do email. Mm. It's very good. Yeah. Having those routines set aside, you know, it's like, it's like making your bed. Yep. Right. Brushing your teeth. Yeah, Um, do it every day. I was doing this thing for a while. I'll pick up 10 things every day. Oh, I should do that. My husband would be very happy if I would. Clean, keep the house clean or your school, whatever it may be, right? Yeah, it's just these little... I'm big fans of timers. There's the bell. Speaking yeah. of timers. Yeah. We, yeah. The bell in our room in Quantico was just... It was it was too much. These are new bells. Yeah. This They're is, still this kind of aggressive. More, this is a lot more pleasant than what we had. It was oh. pretty wild. I, um, I think I violated the fire code at some point by mm. doing something I wasn't supposed, supposed to, to do. Supposed to do, yeah. yeah. Yep. Or no, I got a kid to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. if we make them do it, we're fine. Yeah. It's all good. Um. Do you see yourself going the distance to retirement in the band director world or you have other ambitions you want to, I know you're doing a lot of organizational things outside. 
I think so. When I was working with a, uh, a friend of mine was becoming a life coach, and he needed people to coach right as I was moving. So I was working with him, and he was asking me to do some work that I had not done before, which was thinking about like what are my goals, what's my personal mission statement. And so when I was coming to Oregon, I made a, I was doing, I done some clinic. You know, I did a clinic at Midwest. I was doing. Bell, More yeah. bells. Yeah, I was doing a clinic. I uh, did a clinic at Midwest um, with some friends and colleagues and had done a lot of conference presentations, which I still do. And I felt like I was having a lot of conversations on the national level or in the bigger, you know, California is such a big state. When I moved back to Oregon, I made a very conscious decision that I was going to spend a lot more time in my program versus the community, even though I still do community work and have these positions, and that my entire mission is to make music education better in Oregon. And if it doesn't serve that purpose, I don't do it. Mm. So like, that's why I'm doing the state work with NAFME because that job makes music education better in Oregon. Mm. If we're connected to the work and the lobbying and the legislation, then that makes music education better. If I can continue to work with the Department of Education in Oregon, that makes this a better place to teach kids and to help move it forward. So I don't really do a lot of stuff or try to do a lot of stuff that doesn't have that mission. I think I kind of wandered from the question. Hmm. Yeah, so you, you see yourself so because of that, that yeah. No, I can't, I, I don't really think that I have the stamina to teach high school marching band into my potential 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. I would like to win the lottery, tap out, not teach, and like just do what I want. Yeah. And if that's like subbing or whatever. But honestly, I think where I see myself is like I would like to work at a probably a district office or the state of Oregon and be specifically working with electives and music and access and teachers to help them get the resources and equipment at the bigger level. Um, A lot of my strengths are like budgeting and like grants and and funding sources and I feel like there's no one really watching out for those programs at a more district level so that's that's the great noble work that you know we need people like you doing those things right yeah and you know and they will certainly miss you you know sure here for that something like that but yeah oh and I'm not leaving Eugene yeah like I'm not moving so this has to happen here yeah no I'm not I bought a house I'm not leaving (laughs) they can't get rid of me so whatever happens has to happen here well nobody can afford to buy a new house these days no I just (laughs) snuck in yeah um so with so many teachers as a whole just Mm. teachers in general leaving the profession or their schools you know going to other schools what do you think is in the future for the teaching world and maybe the world of band well band's been in trouble for a long time I think I think if we're not careful, like with our programming, like if we don't have opportunities for kids to go play rock tunes and music that they like and connect to their experiences, they're not going to want to do it. Like we live in a world so full of pop culture and it's not to say that we can't play great classical music, but we really have to help create kids to live in a more diverse world. Like, and help them. I always tell them, like, you might want to be in a rock band or play other music. So whatever you're learning here, I want to be applicable to where you want to go. Um, I think we can't teach in a vacuum anymore. Like, our classrooms aren't, and our kids aren't just, like, middle-class white kids. Like, we have all different kinds of kids now. So we need to bring that repertoire in. Um, Teaching has always been a numbers game. So we have to be able to float numbers in space. Um, the system has got to decide to put in money 
the greater system for infrastructure and space for kids. So I think in a lot of ways, we're at a really big impasse Mm -hmm. um, in education. And we're going to have to have some bold decisions made on district, state and federal levels. And I think we're, you know, is it as bad as it could be? No. But I think that's why we're having these big conversations in general about workload for people coming out of COVID. Every industry is facing hardships and is facing the conversation of, I don't want to work for less or I don't want to work for free or I, I'm going to stand up and say that I value my personal life and my time. And I always tell music teachers, and I think this is the big key, you got to stop doing what you think your program should be. A lot of mm. us have created this model of, I might try to be the Midwest band or I might try to be this band mm -hmm. and be the band you want to have, whatever that yeah. looks like. Because at the end of the day, intonation doesn't, you can't, you can't pay for good intonation. No, like if we would, we would yeah, have already yeah, fundraised yeah. for no, it. No, intonation is a social skill. Yeah. yeah. It's not, if I could buy, I was, like, I was like, if I could buy that, you know, and getting your hands on music isn't that hard. So the fundamentals of band don't cost you money. Mm -hmm. That's just good teaching and good learning, meaning yeah. the kids are engaged. So I feel like we have to be really careful of not trying to chase a model. And I think the next generation of band directors isn't going to encourage some of the crazy work habits that have become the standard of our profession. Yes, because, yeah, I mean, if we if we build the our, burnout culture. Yeah, if we build our, our model based on the programs we went through in high school and middle school, college you know right that's are they 20 sustaining yeah yeah 20 something years ago that's not the people, same as it is now people, yeah people are different now um kids are different now yep. right society is different now and um i think you have to focus still on the why right yeah what, why, why we do this and then how you get there right it's just uh you know it could be you could use right. yeah and I don't think, like, for me, like, because you're going to be non-competitive doesn't mean that just means you're going to be bad now. No. Absolutely that, not. Yeah. We didn't say, like, just don't play in tune if you're going to be non-competitive. You only have to play in tune if you're competitive. Like, no. where is that written down? Yeah. No. So I think you have to just decide and then just be bold in doing what you think is right for you and your program. Yeah. And that gets to be 100% okay. And, and that's the scary thing about competition. It, it kind of assumes that everyone's on a level playing field, but you never are, right? No. Everybody, every community is so different. Yeah. Every school is so different. All the kids are different. You know, yeah. people's goals are different. So, yeah. It's, and that gets it, to be all okay, but just you have to, I think that's probably the thing that like when you talked about like the boys yeah. club and stuff is just kind of being like, I'm just going to be, you know, myself and you're going to have to deal with that. And here we go. <laughs> yeah. And the older you get, the less they mess with you. Yeah. But sometimes my problem, too, kind of going back to that, is that um, I guess I'm blessed with, like, a young face. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of people who, and especially, like, when I moved back here, a lot of people just assumed I was a first-year teacher because they didn't know me. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, no, I, I know. I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> yeah, I'm not new. Like, they aren't perfect yet because it's my first year teaching them, and I'm not a miracle mm -hmm. worker, like next mm -hmm. like doesn't mean i don't know how to play jazz like yeah they just don't know how to play jazz yet mm -hmm. we'll get there yeah it's fine we'll teach them teach them what yeah do we teach them just teachers in front of you it's fine mm -hmm. take them where they're at okay so we are gonna switch to the lightning round questions oh geez it's nothing too crazy i want it to be though yeah like, well, name okay, all the, the susan marches ones. no i'm kidding <laughs> i can't do any of that okay let's see Start with something light. Oh. Um, 
What is a piece you don't hear much anymore that deserves more play? The uh, Chance Elegy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that one. That one's heavy, too. I know. Like, you really got to be in the right, right mindset, too. Yeah. And to right now, I got to do a second one because I didn't know this piece, but we're playing it right now in the community band. Robert Russell Bennett's Symphonic Dances. Yes. Oh. That's, that's another one. That one and that's harder than it looks. Yeah. Much, much But really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that era of music is like some of my favorite stuff. Me too. Uh, it, it just Me too. that I want the grade two and a half world of that though. Yeah. Like three. Like where's that where where were their other pieces? And I, I love that there were um Robert Longfield did some simplified, yeah. you know, arrangements of some of these war horses and you know, and they I think they do the pieces justice. I do. Yeah. I think the cross queuing is really imperative. Mm -hmm. I feel like Holston Von Williams would have done it. Yeah. Like had they known. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They'd have been fine. But yeah, that I mean that's the American band sound is is that era. I yeah. Think. You know, yeah, okay. Good melodies. Um, I know I asked this of another friend, uh, but three questions for Leonard Bernstein. What was it like mentoring Marin Alsop? Oh. <laughs> uh, if you could write another musical, what would you write? Mm. And if you could do something different in your career, what would you go back and change? Mm. Especially oh. if it's music related. Like, I think everyone has like great works or music that they write that they're like, man, I really wished I would have done this differently. Mm -hmm. Like what did Leonard Bernstein not like about West Side yeah. Story? Yeah. Right? Like what is what part would make him go, oh, I can't believe they left that in the movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. that's what I would love to know. Like, mm. or... Like, what would he write if you were alive today? Yeah. With today's times, right? Like, what's the Hamilton of Leonard Bernstein? Mm -hmm. And in some ways, like, West Side Story is still very, very relevant. Right. Like, I feel like with the creative license now, like, he already pushed the envelope. Like, how far would he have pushed? Mm -hmm. With, with, yeah, with the technology available now, staging and all of that. But, mm. you know, but the, yeah, choreography and all of that was, I mean, classic. Yeah. Okay. Non-music ones. Okay. Um, favorite thing to do not related to school or music favorite thing to do no. hang out with my friends at a brewery yes this is why we are friends yeah. this is why we are friends <laughs> delicious yeah. food and alcohol and, and there is no shortage of great food and alcohol here in the state of Oregon no like, no like, I came home to the mothership actually, we shouldn't be telling people about that I think no we, actually yeah, there's nothing here there's nothing here stay away yeah it's yeah. a terrible place it's, it's not beautiful at all yeah um we have which, nothing <laughs> which Hogwarts house are you uh so I haven't read the Harry Potter in a long time, but I definitely, so I can't really say the house part as much as I can tell you, like in college, my friend and I were like the Weasley twins. <laughs> Without the yeah. tragic end. I did the Pottermore thing like at least three or four times. Spider, yeah. I believe you. I'm a Gryffindor. Yeah, you're a Gryffindor and I'm very much Slytherin and um, I own that. And I'm pretty sure all my students would guess yeah. that I'm a Slytherin. And, yeah. Um, I don't come across as a nice guy to them. I don't know why. Yeah. But um, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, this no is, problem. Uh, this has been awesome. Um, I loved seeing you teach. And oh, I thanks. And I can't wait to see 
but more your kids obviously adore you so they're, oh, thank you're you. doing you're doing the right things and um i wish you all all the best this school year moving forward it seems seems like you set yourself up for so many more amazing things thanks uh, in that's the it's exciting year 20 is a good yeah. feels good yeah we're over the hump finally yeah <laughs> hello retirement yeah. i see yeah. you and this this sabbatical has been what i've been calling a pre-retirement yeah it looks like practice. it's working yeah. out well get to practice yeah, yeah. Get All to right. get to practice in your Pacific Northwest home. I do, and and it's going to be fun. Yeah. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay. I want to take a little time for some story time. So I got to observe Julie doing some teaching with her students. Uh, one day was some marching band stuff, and we also got to see a little bit of pet band. So uh, something came up where her pit instructor uh, was no longer there. Drumline instructor took over, but. It wasn't really his wheelhouse and they weren't necessarily addressing all the needs of both the drumline and the pit. And it is a big task to try to handle both. So Julie, being a percussionist, um, she stepped in to take care of the pit while the winds and the drumline went over to the field to rehearse. Um, her husband, Eric, is on staff there and is trombone player. And so he just took over the rehearsal on, on the field with the winds and the drum line. They needed to learn some drill and they needed to go through some previously learned things. Um, and he and the rest of their crew just handled it. The really top-notch staff that they have over there and the ability for Julie as the lead to be able to step away and take care of these things while someone else is addressing stuff is really important. They also have a system of when the comments come from Julie and then when they come from the field and you generally defer to her, but in this case, he was able to handle all of that without her there. I think that's a really nice thing to have, and not everyone has that. I do realize that. However, for those that do, you know, when you've got a crew, um, you have to make sure that you understand that that's uh, it's a nice thing to have. And if you're going to have it, that it needs to work really well. Um, they have clear and consistent messaging with the students. Uh, and that's consistency from rehearsal to rehearsal, from staff member to staff member. Um, everybody's very clear about the goals across the organization, including students. And she has really great student leadership. They handle things as needed, as appropriate for students. And there's, again, clear, consistent messaging from them as well. Um, there was a point where they were trying to work out something with a scissor lift and getting that to the field. They had a uh, problem with that. And again, Julie needed to try to work some of those things out. Um, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of learning to handle administrative things because that really is the, the succubus of time for band directors. Things like ordering buses, making sure people are fed, uh, working out a timeline, communicating with parents. Um, you know, oftentimes if you receive an email, it's not just going to be one reply. It's going to be going back and forth. It's uh, going to be working with your school staff, understanding things about facilities and scheduling and um, what the people on campus do that can help you and how to work with that and the timelines that go with all of those kinds of things. And this is a lot of things that we don't learn in student teaching. We ought to learn more. One of the things that I think we need to do is allocate time for ourselves to handle administrative things. It's a big thing. You know, we need to think about things like uniforms. We've got to think about things like buses, feeding students, securing facilities, looking at scheduling, not just 
when does it work for me, but when does it work for our campus as a whole? When does it work for our, our community as a whole? Maybe you need to talk to the high school or the middle school or the elementary school about what events they've got going on on those days and try to avoid scheduling things on, on those days. Um, how far in advance do we need to get buses? Uh, uh, I need to talk to a caterer because we need to f feed kids by this certain time you know when when is that going to be delivered give yourself time to think about these things don't wait to the last minute to try to do it i know it can be overwhelming but you're going to save yourself a lot of headache one of the things that helped me the most when planning for any kind of event was to have some kind of action plan and i want to give a lot of credit to mrs lanamito who was the state specialist for student government related things and uh, student leadership and she taught us this in planning for an event so we've got you know what time what day what the task is who's the lead uh, what are the supplies and equipment needed and we just work work your way through that whole schedule that whole timeline of things uh going from step one of what needs to be done people have checklists this plan is shared and communicated with everyone and every time you've got things coming up then you've got a plan in place um, and trying to shoot from the hip and relying on people rather than relying on systems is a big mistake because people will come and go but these systems can stay in place and can be executed by different people as long as you are communicating with them and following timelines so i found that that helped me to stay abreast of whatever was going on, but give yourself time to to plan out every facet of what that experience is supposed to be like, not just for the students, but for the people behind the scenes. Because as we all know, what we put on, you know, at that first downbeat to the end is just the tip of the iceberg. It's all the things leading up to that and how you're gonna make that happen. So try to take a step back, look at the broader view of things and I think you're going to find that some of the headaches start to go away as the plans get written down as we communicate better and as we really start to think about things in a in a bigger way uh, beyond just ourselves and just our programs one of the things that Julie did really good was that all of their rehearsal times, they were progress oriented. Students were clear on what the goals were. Staff was clear on what the goals were. There was a stretch goal and they communicated that that's what they wanted to do, but they knew what the minimum acceptable uh, thing was. And one, one example was that they were trying to learn some drill. Uh, they didn't get through as many pages as they wanted to. And they addressed not just the fact that they didn't get there, but the why, like how can we how can we solve this problem better? Uh, what do we need to do uh, better? They they have again systems in place for these things to happen, and when people are not following the systems, it's an easy pivot to just go back to well, this is the plan. We need to follow the plan. This is how we do things. We're not doing it the way we're supposed to. So let's go back to that, and then things can get back on track. So. I was very impressed and I really want to thank Julie and her staff for allowing me to pop in for the day. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love it if you subscribe. Please give it a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to stay tuned for more episodes to come.